This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer in Durham. It is the pre-power hour, and we're busy. Joe Giglio, Manny Navarro, Kurt Weiler, they're joining us this hour alone. You got us, again, streaming live on the ESPN app. 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Eric McLean, that's that dude right there. He's filling in for uh, West Durham, who's on the links. He'll be back tomorrow. And again, uh, we got football on the brain today. It's all good. We think Wes is shooting right now. I think he's probably still sleeping. <laughs> Be my guess. I, I think he's. Like, I think we're going low today. I well, think I mean, we're going hey, low today. every day on the golf course is better than working. No Just question. tell you that right now. I don't give no a shit. 163. <laughs> it's better than that. All right, all right. Joe Giglio is ready to roll. We're going to talk more about the NC State Wolfpack. Lots of hype. And look at Joe. He is out and about. Life is good. Joe, good morning. How are we doing? Hey, Pack. How are you? We're good. Uh, always a pleasure. Looks like a beautiful scene I was there. Gonna say, look at the beautiful backdrop. Yeah. I'm digging that, man. It's a good yeah, glow. You, you look great this partner. morning. You look great. Thanks, Max. See, that's why you, you're filling in. That's why I like you better than Wes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the hype, which is NC State football. This is um, kind of a total about face from a year ago when North Carolina was getting on the love with the national media for the next four months heading to the season. Tag, you're at NC State. But you know what, Joe? They've kind of earned the right to be in this position, haven't they? They have, and with so many players back, uh, Pack, it, it's it's hard not to like NC State, particularly when you look at the defensive side of the ball. I think most people forget that Peyton Wilson only played one game and a half. Mm-hmm. They forget that you know they didn't have all of those players at the same time last season, which is going to be uh, that's going to be what the real treat is for NC State this year. Is seeing Isaiah Moore on the field with Drake Thomas with Peyton Wilson, uh, it could be a it could be a big difference for the Wolfpack. Joe, one thing that I, I've kind of said about NC State for about a year and a half now is, is that they are a complete team and maybe the most complete team with how they play complementary football so well. Is there a particular side of the ball, offense or defense, that you know you think has an edge this year? I think it will be their defense, Mac, because we did not see those guys play together last year because of the injuries. Even a guy like Cyrus Fagan you know, at safety, he, he played a half of one game. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of people who excelled last year. Take Drake Thomas. He really came on at the end of last year. Even Isaiah Moore, who excelled after Peyton Wilson went out. I think if you can get all of those guys playing at the level that they were last year individually, uh, I think defensively they could be one of the best in the country, not just the ACC. Uh, I do think on the offensive side there are questions. You know, you lose both running backs. There's The offensive line needs to be redone. I, I thought a lot of last year, as you know, Mac in particular, a lot of their run game was behind Akia Kwanu. And, and you're going to hear his name very early on Thursday night. So I think there's a hole there. Uh, I think the run game might – I'm not saying they're going to abandon it uh, under Jordan <laughs> Houston, but I think you're going to see a lot of Devin Leary next year. And those don't always go hand-in-hand, hand, right? We don't think of this defense-first special teams team that likes to throw the ball as much as NC State is probably going to throw the ball. But if you just look at their spring game, they ran 45 plays in the first half. 35 were passing plays. So you're going you're to get a heavy dose of Devin Leary next year for NC State. And, Joe, that is a good thing. I mean, Devin Leary, to me, yeah. uh, was highly underrated last year in a league that was loaded with great quarterbacks, and it's going to be loaded again in 22. 
I think finally, like NC State's football program, I think Devin Leary finally starts getting the attention before we even get to the first kick. I hope so. You know, it's you say underrated, and I thought he played with a purpose last year. I thought he played with a point that all of the attention in this area in particular was on Sam Howell, was on Carolina, and he didn't let that bother him. And I thought it was great to see Devin Leary healthy from, from A to Z last year. Yeah. And I think you're going to see another progression out of him this year because I think people forget because he's been around for so long. You know, the first year doesn't start all the way through. Second year has the injuries, obviously. And then last year, you know, I thought he was able to really assert himself. But I also thought last year a lot of what Tim Beck tried to do, you guys talked about the complimentary football, was really run the ball with Bam Knight and Mm -hmm. Ricky Person. With those two guys out, I think you'll see more of that emphasis on Devin Leary in the passing game. And so I, th- I think we're all on the same page here with Devin. I, I expect a, a Kenny Pickett-like jump. And, and obviously he's already had success, but I'm thinking 4,000-plus, 40-plus touchdowns. Are, are you a, are you with me on that? Do you expect to see this kind of final form, three-year starter, same offense you know, kind of development from Devin? I definitely think Kenny Pickett should be his spirit animal. Uh, I was told that Devin Leary received a fifth-round grade from the NFL, and I believe Kenny Pickett received that same grade after the twenty, the twenty-one season or the twenty season, the twenty season. So I think Kenny Pickett took that and took it to another level, and I think Devin should take that information and take it to the next level. And I think it does come with the familiarity of being with the same coordinator. I think it does come with the familiarity with being with the same receivers, save for Emeka Amizi. And that's one big question mark that NC State's going to have. Uh, you know, Obviously, Devin Carter's back. Obviously, Thayer Thomas is back. Uh, Anthony Smith's a guy who kind of popped mm-hmm. in the spring, a deep shot guy, so we'll see how he develops. But let's not uh, undervalue what Emeka Amizi meant to this team last yeah. year. Joe, yesterday we watched Wake Forest win their first ACC golf championship since 1989. It's a program that's got a great deal of tradition and history and so forth. You're thinking, 1989, how's that possible? Yeah, how's that possible? How's that possible? And NC State has not won an ACC football championship since 1979. Wolfpack Nation has supported this program. They put the money into it. The facilities are great. Dave Dorn's done a nice job. There's going to be all kinds of hype. NC State wins the ACC football championship if what happens in 22? I think they have to win at Clemson on October 1st. I just don't see Clemson losing two conference games next season. Uh, so I think they, that's the starter for me. They, they have to figure out a way to win down there. And I, I, I think Dabo, with all of the change that they've had there, you know he's going to have them. I'm talking to two Clemson guys. I, I, you know he's going to have them ready to go, particularly if they're not picked to win uh, on the Atlantic side. And, and speaking of injuries, you know Clemson had all kinds of injuries on the defensive side last year. So that's the one they got to circle, in my opinion. That's the one they got to win. Uh, and then, of course, Carolina and Wake Forest will be the other two challenges. But uh, they, I just don't see mathematically how they can win the division without winning at Clemson. And Joe, the one way that they you know can do that is you have to protect Devin in that game because they're going to come after you. They they have one of the most loaded defensive lines, if not the most loaded, in the country. So, what did you see in spring? What are you hearing in spring about that offensive line? Is there a particular guy that you know has stepped up to really fill the shoes? Maybe not necessarily at the position, but of Big Icky. 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to have leadership from Grant Gibson at the center position, you know, and they're, they're obviously high on Dylan McMahon as, as an athlete. You know, we saw him on the, uh, the, the Bruce Feldman freak list. And, you know, developmental-wise, Dave Doran and his staff, John Garrison, is going to have guys ready to, to step in there. I think it's not necessarily you replace Icky. I think it's more of a scheme question, uh, particularly when you're playing Clemson. you got to get the ball out of your hands quickly. And then you have to make plays, you know. I mean, the more you guys watch – the NBA, the NFL, college basketball, college football. The great philosopher Sidney Lowe was right, man. You just you got to make plays. You got to make shots. And we saw that in the state Clemson game last year in overtime. You know, Devin Carter made a couple of different catches. Then you're like, your guy, my guy beat your guy. And that's honestly what it comes down to a lot of times when it's when you're on that high level. And I think NC State has a lot of those guys, particularly coming back on that defensive side. And it's going to be interesting to see how they accept the challenge of not just the outside expectations, but their own. Because mm-hmm. you're not coming back, you know, you don't say run it back to get to the Sun Bowl. You don't say run it back to finish second <laughs> in the division. You say come, we're coming back to do something no one at this school has done since 1979. That's what you run it back for. And those are your expectations. doesn't matter what I think. doesn't matter what you think. doesn't matter what Dabo thinks. It matters what you put on yourself. Sure. Joe, you mentioned Nicky. Uh, he's going to go really, really early on Thursday, uh, and good for him. He's a great kid, as you know. You've covered him. Uh, he's been on this show before. He's got a great gregarious personality. He's over there eating pancakes when he's hanging out with us and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> when he gets selected, regardless of where it is in the top five, for argument's sake, how important is that for Dave Dorn and NC State's program? Big picture. Yeah. It's the most important thing because, you know, Pack, you and I can talk about history, and you and I can talk about the old Big Four, and you and I can talk about, you know, watching uh, the pilot. But what recruits care about is the draft, whether it's the NFL draft or the NBA draft. They want to know that you can make me a pro. And when you have the success that Dave Doran has had developing players and putting them into the draft, that's the most important thing. You see a guy like Bam Knight, who hopefully will get drafted. You know, he picked NC State because of the success of Naheem Hines that he had with the Wolfpack and now in the NFL. Bradley Chubb, you know, you see all the defensive line recruits that NC State has subsequently got since his All-American career with the Wolfpack. That's how you get guys. And I got, uh, to quote another great philosopher, Debbie Yao, don't give me any of this coach em up stuff. You got to have dudes. <laughs> Facts. There's some truth in that. Hey, listen, you're a dude, man. That's go back right. and uh, go feed the woodpeckers, man. They were kept interrupting all your answers. They back there. <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't the owl. That's right. <laughs> Talk to you later, man. Keep up the good work. See ya. Off he goes. I love it. Joe Giglio and the it. woodpeckers up That's there in <laughs> Garner, North Carolina. You, you know, I think one thing that was super interesting about his point uh, offensively for NC State you could barely run the ball last year and you had the best tackle in the draft. Don't force the issue. You've got the best quarterback in the conference, maybe the best in the country. Ooh, you're giving a little oh, foresight oh, oh, oh. there because we're going to talk quarterbacks here in a second. You give the football. Like, and he can't. And he's yeah. smart with the football. That's yeah. the other thing. It's one thing yeah. just throwing it all over the yard. The guy's smart with the football. <clears throat> I'm excited to see it. Yeah. I'm excited to see I it. I think NC State fans should be jacked. Seriously. Yeah. And again, despite FPI having you 26, which makes zero sense to me, uh, NC State's got a chance. They really do. Yeah. And I think Joe's 100% right regarding October the 1st. October 1, big day. Uh, big, in, big day. In many ways. 
Come right? on, you got in many that. ways. Not only, not only on game day, but your game that's day. Right. That's right. For Miss Khaki. That's right. But I, I, I do Team think that, that's right. October one's that's a big right. day. That's right. But I think that that'll decide it. I think that'll decide it. Well, we'll see. Wake Forest will have something to say about that. I think the Atlantic Division is going to be the most underrated division in college football. I agree. My opinion. I agree. We'll get in all that stuff. But when we return, we are talking about the dudes that can sling it. The quarterback list. Eric McClain is going to go through it. And we've got some quote-unquote dudes in this league under center. We're going to get in all that stuff, man. Quarterbacks, here they come next on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Talked about the defenses. You gave me some top five. But we know how great this league is from a quarterback perspective. It was the best in the country last year. It'll be the best in the country again this year. Quality depth, big-time talent. You get the rank. It's it's loaded, to say the least. And I, I'll tell you what, this list that we're about to show you guys, I have a hunch that it is going to be pretty different by the end of the season. I think there's going to be some guys out of Pittsburgh, maybe out of Clemson, out of Carolina that are able to crack this list. And so, as of right now, though, here, here's the five, and it's a loaded list. We're going to start with number five. Big Phil Jerkovic, Boston College. This one's easy. Five is number five here. The, the things that he can do just for Boston College, they're a completely different team, obviously. And, and the things that he can do with his arm, the deep ball accuracy, running the ball. I wouldn't call him a dual threat, but he's very effective with his legs pack. And, and similar to like a lot of these guys, I think this is going to be the final form. That This is going to be, okay, this is kind of what we've been talking about for three years with Phil Jerkovic. It's all going to come together this year. And we keep seeing highlights with number four catching all those balls at Frisbee catching <laughs> he's pretty dogs, good. He's pretty flowers. Good. He decided, hey, guess what? I'm coming back too. So yeah. he's got some targets. Yeah. Great quarterback, always a good offensive line, and guys in the perimeter can make plays. Means Jerkovic can have a really big year. Yeah, and that's going to be a, a little bit of a question mark. Outside of Christian Mahogany, you know, that offensive line is is going to be very different. But they got it's dudes. what they do. O-line you, they figure it out. I think they'll just be fine. Let's go to number four. And number four is, is another guy out of the Commonwealth that I, I think when you see Brendan Armstrong, the things that he is able to do, the things that he can do for your team, He's freaky. Obviously, was right there at the top of the country in passing yards as a whole. And really excited to see him pack in this Tony Elliott offense in a traditional spread where he's going to be slinging the ball all around the yard. I hope he has a little bit more run support. But, man, the receivers that he is going to be throwing to all year long, it's going to be a big year. For number five. Well, the fact that you can have Jerkovic at five and Brendan Armstrong at four, you're sitting there going, wow, really? Wait a minute. And those right. dudes right there would be one and one A in most right. leagues. Right. They're five and four in the yeah. ACC. Yeah. It, it's. But you said, and this is a move, this, this list is going to be flexible, right? Oh, yeah. This is going to be a fluid deal. Yeah. It, it's going to be very interesting to see. Number one, who takes first team all ACC quarterback at the end of the year? Because good luck. Good luck figuring that out. Uh, let's let's go to number three though. Sam Hartman, a, a guy that I think is just so undervalued, underrated, disrespected. I mean, a guy that put up fifty touchdowns last year. Pack. I think there's only two other guys in the conference that, that have ever done that. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. Sam Hartman is is just man. He's so fun to watch. His leadership. He, he's just a great college quarterback, man. And and he's what you think about when you want a guy. His accuracy, his decision making. I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say it again. Final form, Sam, physically 
understanding the offense and a key piece for him that we didn't see early in his career, mentally, being able to jump over the bad plays. He said a year ago, listen, that has been the best thing I've ever done is get with a mental coach, get with a, a person that can help me control the game here so that when bad stuff happens, next up, got to keep going. Because that you got to have amnesia as a quarterback. Well, what I really like, number one, great experience. Dave Clawson, tremendous coach. And when you watch the spring game, you look at the depth chart, you look at Wake Forest receivers, yikes. Look out. What a collection they've yes. got. I mean, so Sam Hartman, great, really talented, but, man, are so the guys on the perimeter. He's going to make plays. They're going to score a ton. There's, there's no question about it. All right, number one and two. This is where it gets a little interesting. We'll start with two. I, I like definitive lists. I could have easily went 1A, 1B here. But number two is Tyler Van Dyke. And, and I think that he has a great chance to be number one by the time it's all said and done. Cannon of an arm. Does things that pack are scary. The arm angles that he can throw from. The the accuracy that we've seen from him. The decision-making and now he's the full-time guy. That That's what I want to see, the pressure. Now he started six, seven games. I get that. But now he is the guy. There's nobody else. It's not D'Eric's team. It's his team for a full offseason, for a full spring, for a full fall camp, and going into the season. What kind of pressure is with that? Because there's a lot of pressure, and we'll talk to Manny about this. There's a lot of pressure on Miami right now to be good right away. How does he handle it? Now, everything that I've seen, Pac, he's going to be fine, and he's going to thrive. We'll see. You got a good play. You know what I love about TVD? This is when I knew there could be something special in Miami. <laughs> when he got the nod to play NC State, and Miami was in trouble. I mean, let's be honest. I was shooketh, by the way. All right. Go ahead. And so here comes NC State, and you're thinking, all right, Miami, boy, tough loss. What are they going to do? This is a tough stretch coming up. And Tyler Van Dyke was like, well, we're going to play NC State. We beat them last year, right? Okay. Yeah, we're going to go. To, and I was like, wow, this dude. I mean, he had. Not, I sat right here and said, "What are you talking about? Yeah, right, well, where are you going, son? I mean, let's just you know, time right. out. Hey, you know, you haven't you haven't cashed in chips yet. And they went out, and won that game, Ball. and he was great. And I was like, you know what? That guy, yeah. the great quarterbacks have that 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 Moxie. inner confidence yeah. of, hey, what are you talking about? I'm right. gonna go make plays, right. man. Right. You know who we're talking to? Yeah. And that sold me last year. Yeah. That game, it was like, okay, he's on, and he was consistently yeah. good. The rest of the way, and the rest is history. And I think he got better, right? And, and there were two kind of reasons why. Number one, I think he's getting comfortable understanding this is my show, my team. But number two, you have to give so much credit to that coaching staff opening the playbook up. I mean, we you could tell those first two games when they were kind of rotating and, and different things of that. It was so vanilla. It was so boring, plain. And then by game two of it, I think it was NC State, they said, we have to open it up. We have to let him do it. It's and he play. showed that he can handle it. Yep. So I don't think there's any question. He's got a lot of progression going into this year. No question. All right, who's number one? Devin Leary. It's close. It's very close. I love Devin, though. The, the things that he can do, the disrespect that he still has. There, there was some list. Somebody put it out, and, and it was a top ten. And they did not have him on this list for returning quarterbacks in the country is an absolute joke. Devin Leary has everything that you want as a quarterback. Accuracy, arm strength, decision-making, leadership abilities. He can run the football. He's the total package. And, and he's a guy going into year three as a starter in this offense. I expect to see a Kenny Pickett-like jump. I also expect to see a Kenny Pickett-like ownership of the offense to where pack. He knows what every single person on every single play is doing, from the line to the wide receivers to the running back, and, of course, himself. And I think we will see this form of where NC State is throwing the ball so much 
But man, his, his brilliance is going to be on full display. All right. I, I'm going to say something that fans around the ACC are watching this show. I, I'm going to speak on their behalf on this. And it's your list, yeah. right? I mean, it's the right list, but yeah, it's my list. Fair enough. It's your list. <laughs> where in the world, and here's one, two, three, four, and five. Where in the world is Malik Cunningham? I knew where you are going. Because I'm sitting there, if I'm sitting at home, and I'm a Louisville <laughs> fan, I'm going, okay, yeah, Dracovic, he's a good player. Armstrong, yeah, great numbers. You know, Hartman, I get it. Van Dyke, okay, you're jumping on the new guy, got it. And Leary, but uh, hey, I'm not trading Malik Cunningham for any of them. Yeah, yeah. Malik I like Malik Cunningham. I, you and I sat right upstairs here and watched him torch Duke, watched uh, him torch Syracuse. He's got it. He can I just run, don't he know. can pass. I, they got weapons. Yeah. I just What's Malik, the next step, though? That, that, that's what I want to see. I think all five of those guys on that list – can, are, are going to be able to take another step. But Malik could easily be a part of that group that I preface this thing with saying, this list could look really different by the end of the year. Yeah, I saw a list the other day. I, I was channel surfing, and uh, I think I, I think it was SEC Network. And uh, love those guys. They do great work. And um, they had a quarterback list of like the SEC East, and Hendon Hooker was number one. And I just sat back and kind of smiled like – not crazy? You know, and we've had Hendon on the show when he was at Virginia Tech, and he was a good player. Yeah. But I kept thinking to myself, if Hendon Hooker was in the league, I mean, no disrespect, is, is yeah. he in the top five, top yeah. six, seven? No. Yeah. And it just goes to show you how good the ACC is versus everybody else in the country right. when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah. No, it's it's not close. And I think when you look at it, as I said, an hour one, minute one, whatever, you have to see it on the field. It has to mean something, not just statistically – in the win column, because I, I, I'm one of those guys that, man, the quarterback has so much influence on what happens in games. And, and so can all these great guys, which one through, you know, 10, I'd probably stack up against anybody. Can they go out and deliver each and every Saturday? You know, a guy like uh, Jordan Travis at Florida State, who, who's an athlete. right? And they're buying into him. And, and not only are they buying into him at Florida State, and we'll talk to Kurt Wilder later on this hour. But I saw his interview after the spring game, and he said, guess what? Offensively, we're going to score on everybody. Yep. We're, we're going to be really yep. good. And, and this is a guy that can run. He can pass. He's smart. Florida State's playing with more confidence on that side. Like I said, we, we could go through a number. We can yeah. go nine, ten deep here, yeah. in my opinion, in this league when the quarterback play, and you go, he's a good player. Yeah. You know, what happens with DJ Wielangalole, right. right? And does he yeah. get back to the form that we thought he was going to be? Mm-hmm. Or maybe Cade Klublik becomes right. the guy at Clemson. I don't know how that's going to Slovis, play. does he just go nuts? Right. He's got one of the best receiver rooms in the country. Exactly right. It's going to be crazy. I, I can't wait to see it. Of, let, let's, say, let's say Louisville, Pitt. And you love Schrader at Syracuse running I, I over do. people. I do, as a, as a triple option guy. Uh, Louisville, Pitt, North Carolina best quarterback of those three at the end of the seat just projecting right now i go louisville really that's malik cunningham i love dude. him i love him and that guy's a ma- he's a magician that guy is a problem he is a problem he's a problem he needs to be a problem against kentucky though that's no what i get all that he needs to be a problem every saturday i mean if you're you're, you're coach satterfield in louisville you're just like hey give the man the ball and let's every go time. make some plays well, see that's the thing too though is i, I do think louisville we're kind of getting off script here a little bit I think Louisville needs to limit his running just a little bit. He, he's not a big guy. He's not a, a jacked-up, strong dude. And he ran so much last year. He can't we just catch have other him. guys step up. He can't catch him. He can't get hurt. That's true. That's true. It's like me running to the Ford F-150. <laughs> Let's get out of here. All right, quick break. We come back. We're going to all about the Canes. 
Manny Navarro from The Athletic will join us. This is another program going to get a ton of love in the offseason. Come back talking about the U, TBD, and the rest of them. Manny, next, Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. All right, Miami. We'll get to Manny here in a second. Uh, the U, right? We got NC State over there in the Atlantic. Going to catch a lot of love in the yeah. preseason. I think you get the same thing with Miami in the Coastal, don't you? No question. I mean, number one, the, with with a quarterback as the caliber of TVD, I mean, it is very important. And and the things that he is going to be able to do for your team, that stable of running backs that was on full display, minus two of their best in the spring game, freaky. Uh, wide receivers, we need to. You know, clean up the drops a little bit. Yeah, that was you a big catch deal. Catch the football. Uh, Restrepo, I think, is going to be very good, uh, and I think some other pieces around him are going to step up. And, and having Mallory back is going to be massive. So that offense is going to be great. Offensive line drastically improved. Big Zion Nelson at left tackle, who might play his way into the first round next year. So that offense is going to be great. Defensively, I think there's enough pieces, and they're just they're the kings of the transfer portal defensively right now. Five starters they have brought in. From USC, UCLA, forget where the other one was. It's going to be very impressive to see. Can they keep that up? Because they've had a couple of key transfers come in and dominate right away. Um, you know, this is where the fun part gets, I think, if you're a Miami fan. There's always expectations. It's the U, right? They want to get back to greatness. Mm-hmm. They want to get back to domination. And now they get one of their own back. And then we've had Coach <laughs> Cristobal on the show two times. Uh, and I don't know him. I've never met him personally. Look forward to seeing him in a million yeah, island. I can't wait. Uh, but his demeanor in the interviews, and I, whether it be on our show or any other ACC Network show, is a no-nonsense, hey, I don't need the fluff. We're here to do our work, and we're here to punch you in the mouth. Yep. Right? And so it all starts at the point of attack. Right? Great teams yep. are great at the point of attack. Yep. You can give me all the bells and whistles of you know Frisbee catching dogs, quarterbacks, but it, the great teams beat you up front. Yeah. Miami, to get back to where they want to be, that's where it's going to happen. But I think they've got a guy as a head coach, and I loved what he's done with their staff. He has put dudes in at that staff yeah. that are great recruiters that understand big picture. I think on the surface, now I don't know how long it's going to take, but on the surface, I love what Miami's doing. No question. I really do. And, and I mean the, the commitment to football monetarily and throwing these finances and saying – we want to compete. We want to be one of the best. And that's what it takes to, to get there. And so now that you've done it, man, the staff looks tremendous. You bring in a guy from Michigan and Gaddis that he loves to pound the rock. And I talk about those four running backs that, man, just rotate, just go. I, I think there's such a freedom pack when you have that depth. And, and there's not this weight of I'm the only guy. Like if I have a hurt ankle, if, I have, if I'm out of breath, I still have to go because I'm it. That's not the case with these Miami running backs. And then to take even more pressure off, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Look out. I mean, I, I am so excited for what they're going to be able to do on that side of the ball. And then the defense, can they just play to the standard that is held at the University of Miami? Well, 73% of their offensive production returns. 70% of their defensive production returns. You mentioned the transfer portal. We got a new man in charge, new sheriff in town. You got a guy under center who's going to be dynamic and and all that great stuff. The one thing you did mention, though, in their spring game, I haven't seen a practice. I've been sitting here in the basement, but I did watch the spring game. You got to catch the football, especially with a guy that's going to deliver it right here every time he throws it. I mean, the guy's accurate and just great with the football. You got to catch the ball, right? And that must happen for Miami to go to the next level. But 
on the surface, I love what they're doing. Now, how quickly, though, can they get there? Because the expectation level is we've arrived already. When, when's I mean, Texas A&M? Is that week three? Week two. I think yeah, get ready. That, That's when. <laughs> that, to me, is one that you can already circle on the calendar. And I think both those programs, in some respects, are very similar yeah. in the sense that A&M feels like, hey, it's our time. Right. You know, Jimbo's been there now handful of years. They've done a great job recruiting. They now expect to beat Bama. Finally, somebody did. And now they're like, okay, great. We're ready to go win our division right. and our league. Right. Miami, I feel the same thing. With Crystal all back. He's our guy. We've been waiting on this. Now let's go to bed. Yeah. Now, are they ready to step up and take care of not only the Coastal, which could be a fist fight, mm -hmm. but are they ready? Because they're going to see Clemson on the road. They're going to see A&M on the road. They, they are going to go play. It's an incredible environment right. now. No, there's no question. And, you know, really circling that Texas A&M game. I mean, it's just, as I mentioned, when you go out of conference, you play someone of that caliber, it's important. You've got to go carry the flag, and you're going into Kyle Field, and, man, look out. That environment's going to be nuts. Uh, but you, you can make away games pretty quiet, pretty quickly. Um, and then, of course, you see running through the gauntlet there of the Coastal, Pitt Clemson to finish the year is essentially an ACC championship play-in game. I mean, that, that's how I see that as, as a bit of a playoff for them. If, if you can go one and one, you've got a great shot. You go two and oh, I think you're in. You go oh and two, probably have problems. I want to go back on that schedule again, if, we, if you don't mind. There's a couple things I'd like to point out. And we'll, we'll have plenty of time to do this in the summer when we'll analyze schedules. Uh, but week three with AM, enough said. Circle the date. It is a huge game for all parties involved from a national perspective and your respective league. But I'll go October 8th on you, too. And the reason I bring up North Carolina <laughs> is because North Carolina's really had their number. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, North Carolina has been a real thorn yeah. in Miami's side. They embarrassed them a couple years ago down there. At they home, beat them this yeah. past year, which was a tremendous game in Chapel Hill. And we haven't talked about North Carolina yet today. And Max got some issues to do. Gene Chiswick being on board is a great hire. But, you know, there's also that road trip at Virginia Tech. Yeah. And if Brett Pry gets off to a great start, we know what a great environment it is Electric. in Blacksburg. So you're talking about going to A&M, a thorn in the side with North Carolina, at Virginia Tech, a road trip at Clemson. Uh, you know, by the way, Pitt sits there on November 26th, which could be the ultimate showdown game mm -hmm. in the Coastal. It is a schedule that will grab your attention. <laughs> and again, no disrespect to Bethune-Cookman or right, Southern sure. Miss and all that stuff, that's a problem. Is that the toughest road schedule in the, in the conference? I, I think there's, there's three or four there that just pop that you go, hey, yeah. you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, Texas A&M, Kyle Field, the, the crazies at, at, for Hokieville there, and then Death Valley. Lane Stadium at night, Death Valley at night, Kyle Field at night. No, you'll have to earn it. <laughs> right? You're going to simply have to earn it. I, I think we got Manny Navarro. I think we have had Manny spotting down in beautiful uh, South Florida. So let's get Manny on here and get his take on a number of these issues that we've talked about. And again, uh, Manny's done a great job with the athletic. This will be his ninth appearance on the program. I believe we got, there he is. Hey! Manny, good morning. How are you? Doing good, man. Sorry about the uh, internet connection. Not a problem. Uh, we've been uh, talking about Miami's situation. There's always hype and anticipation but uh, with all the years that you've been covering and been down there, Manny, uh, with Cristobal being back, TVD at quarterback, uh, I can only imagine that the expectation level for this program right now has probably never been higher since the glory days. Oh, absolutely, 100%. I mean, this is uh, as excited as uh, I think this fan base has been. And since I've been back covering the team, I went and covered the Miami Heat for a few years. And 
for, for the time that I've been back, this is definitely the most uh, hyped and excited and, and, and just ready, ready to see Miami win and expecting them to win big and, and do great on the recruiting trail. Everything that Cristobal has, has done here these first few months has, has everybody really excited. Manny, obviously, we're jacked up about quarterback play. It's the most important position on the field. But coming out of that spring game, and I mentioned it earlier here, I, I'm excited about that running back room. I mean, two guys that weren't even available that are going to really lead the way. But I, I'm seeing four deep at least in that backfield. H- how do you see that rotation? I mean, do, do you think all four guys will get good spells? Is it going to be a two, two running back system? They figure it out. Well, what is that going to look like? Yeah, I definitely think there'll be at least three of the guys uh, heavily involved. I mean, if you just go based off of, um, you know, the way that uh, Josh Gaddis ran his office at, at Michigan and how many running backs were touching the ball and, and, and involved in, in the passing game and so forth, uh, I think you look at this Miami group in the backfield and you look at a Don Chaney, uh, you look at a Jalen Knight, and you look at uh, uh, the transfer from Ole Miss, Henry Parrish, uh, I think those three guys are probably at the top, but Thad Franklin really, I mean, he's such mm-hmm. a big guy, six yeah. foot, 240 pounds to really pound it. So uh, you can see all four of them. And then Trevante citizen, the incoming freshman that uh, Mario landed at the end of February on the last day uh, on signing day, su- surprised everybody a top 100 kid. Uh, I mean, they, they really talk huge uh, about this kid. They think he's going to be great. So, uh, I think in the end, you'll see a three-man rotation, but certainly I, I think all five of them actually could be wow. could be pretty special. Manny, when we had the coach on uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I, I told him, I said, dude, I don't know how many games you're going to win. That'll all take care of itself. But I really love the staff that he's putting together. And he's got guys that understand the big picture, and they're all great recruiters. It's a great combination. Oh, I mean, it's uh, unreal, right? I mean, you see the names. Uh, the fact that he's got uh, Jason Taylor as uh, as a quality control guy, a guy who's a Hall of Famer, a legend down here in Miami with the Miami Dolphins, uh, a guy like Charlie Strong who's been such a phenomenal defensive coach and a great head coach, um, you know, Kevin Steele. I mean, the, the list is just so impressive when you look at the names. Uh, and the fact that they're all coaching at Miami at the same time is pretty special. Uh, you know, you might get one or two of those guys on a staff, but – you get you got this complete staff, and I and I think Jamil Adai, who they who they got uh, from George off the national championship squad, he's really had such an unbelievable effect. I talked to a lot of people who've been out to the practices, and they think this guy's going to be a, a head coach one day. Uh, just uh, so such a good communicator, and if you watch the spring game, uh, secondary looked excellent. Uh, so I, I think that uh, he he's come in and had a huge effect uh, for Miami. Manny, before I let you go, um, what's the one thing, though, about this team as we sit here late April uh, before we get to kickoff that that needs to be addressed? What what, what would be the one issue that you've got after watching spring game and everything else at Miami? Well, I'd say wide receiver, the outside wide receiver. I still think they're looking to add somebody out there. You know, Charleston Rambo was so effective last year. I think Tyler Van Dyke. Um, you know, he likes the guys that he has, but I think Mario's looking at that position and saying, we need, we still need another layer. You know, he's trying to win a championship here. It's not for him. It's not just, Hey, let's win the ACC. I think this is a guy who's got his eyes set on the college football playoff and winning a national championship. And so when he looks at this roster, he still sees holes. And I'd say edge rusher, you know, they need a guy, uh, to really jump into that role. I think there's a few guys on this roster now 
incoming transfer from UCLA and Mitch Lagude. I think uh, between him and Jafari Harvey, they'll find that guy. But I think those are the two positions that they look at right now and say, we need upgrades there. Manny, great work as always. Uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. And, uh, man, have fun down there. It's going to be some kind of ride with the Canes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. You got it. Manny Navarro does a great job with the athletic. And, of course, the Miami fans, like NC State fans, thoroughly excited, and they should be. When we come back, we go to Tallahassee. Kurt Waller, that's right, Tallahassee Democrat, joins us. We're talking about what's going on with Mike Norvell and the boys. All that coming up next. Eric McLean filling in for Wes. It's Packer Durham on ACC Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. We got football on the brain today. Eric McLean filling in for Wes Durham. And we head on down to beautiful Tallahassee, Florida. Kurt Weiler joins us with the Tallahassee Democrat. Time to talk about the Knowles. Kurt, first of all, good seeing you again. And uh, we just got done talking with Manny Navarro and the excitement with the Canes. Uh, with the second half of last season in football with Mike, what Mike Norvell is able to pull off, Jordan Travis going to be the quarterback. What about expectations for Florida State in 22? Yeah, it's. I mean, I said the same last year, and for this year, it's kind of, I would say, differently a very important year for Mike Dravel. I think when you look at, I mean, obviously, I think fans understood, most fans, I would say, understood the situation he inherited and and why the results on the field looked like they did the uh, the first few years. But I think this is the year where uh, you're 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 starting to see the fans say, okay, we've given you a little time. It's it's been tough, eight wins in two years. I think this is the year where kind of they they want to see, and I think. I think the coaching staff knows that this seven, eight wins is important. I think if if it's six or if it's less than six, I'm not sure he's gone, but I think his seat is pretty hot going into uh, 2023. So, no, I mean, I think it's it's an important year where uh, I think a lot of people are, are expecting and, and hoping that that next step is taken. And a lot of re- those reasons for those expectations and hopes and expectation is looking at – quarterback play. And I think Florida State this offseason, uh, you know, coincidentally has fully bought in, you know, to Travis and the things that he can do and the things that he will do. What kind of expectation do you have for him individually this year, but also the offense as a whole? It's it's a good question. I, I mean, obviously, I think they they knew that. I think they, like you said, they, they kind of have put their eggs in Jordan Travis's basket, if you will. I think he was their guy. There wasn't really a, a ton of pursuit of uh, of transfer quarterbacks. Obviously, if you're going to get a transfer quarterback, he would be a guy probably to replace Jordan Travis, not to kind of compete with him. And so there was none of that. They're, they're, they are all in on Jordan Travis. They they did a lot to, I think, give him more weapons to work with. They've, they've upgraded the offensive line with a couple transfers. They added four transfer wide receivers and, and have really tried to revamp that room because the truth is the last two years – Florida State's been lacking that that true number one receiver, that guy who you think you can go to play in and play out. I mean, they still in two years haven't had a guy reach even 400 receiving yards under Mike Norvell. And that's not a Mike Norvell problem. If you go back and look at him at Memphis, his receivers had huge seasons. So it is a Florida State talent problem that's that's been that's been the factor. And so they really tried to work on that, going to add a guy like Micah Pittman, going to add a guy like Johnny Wilson, a guy like Winston Wright, who unfortunately hasn't been able to practice because he uh got in a severe car accident over spring break that uh that 
injured his leg. And so that's been a really unfortunate break for FSU. But they've they've definitely tried to revamp the positions around him because I think the thing they've said time and time again with Jordan Travis is he's consistently grown over his time at Florida State, which is true, and that he has shown a lot of things despite kind of what's been around him on offense that I think show he can be the guy if he's surrounded with better talent, which I think he he will be now. Kurt, it seems like the last two, three years, maybe even longer, Florida State's offensive line has just been porous. And I'm being kind and trying to describe it that way. <laughs> However, you got four offensive line starters back. You just mentioned the transfer portal. There's no doubt that Mike Norville and the staff have done a really good job going, guess what? We have got to upgrade up front. We know Jordan Travis is a quarterback. He can beat you with his legs. He can throw the football. You mentioned the weapons as well. But up front, you got to figure we're finally going to start seeing Florida State kind of getting back to maybe moving people off the ball. You see, you say two or three years. It's really been more like more four or five. You're being right. pretty generous. Honestly, it's been on a pretty steady <laughs> decline since the national title. Oh, until the last few years, we're under Alex Atkins. I think he, he the offensive line coach, and now offensive coordinator as well, has brought some hugely needed stability. And I think you've really seen some strides. I think the big thing is, I mean, we saw in the spring, you saw in the, if you watched the, the spring game, they still may not have the depth that they want. They lost a few guys. They had a few guys who were playing in less than 100%. And I think it kind of showed in terms of just how uh, the defense definitely won the day and the defensive line uh, had a good bit of success against the offensive line. But, yeah, I think the group is definitely better. I think you talked about, I mean, identifying weaknesses. Mike Gravel and his staff, I mean, they had 10 transfers on campus in January as early enrollees. I mean, it, they, they are huge for identifying the, the needs – what you want to address through the portal and, and doing so immediately. And yeah, they got two offensive linemen they brought in, in Caden Lyles, who was at Wisconsin, which like Dylan Gibbons last year with Notre Dame, is kind of one of the places you're looking at when you're looking at offensive linemen. I mean, it's, it's, and then Bless Harris was uh, an FCS transfer from Lamar who uh, has come in. I would say exceeded my expectations. I don't, I can't kind of speak to coaching staff expectations, but he uh, looks like a guy who can be a starting tackle for them moving from the, uh, the FCS level, and you add that with guys like Robert Scott, with guys like Dylan Gibbons, who who is back, with guys like Darius Washington, who got hurt in the spring, but I, I think should be back in time for the season. And it, I, I think this is the first year. Be interesting. I mean, it's dependent on them staying healthy, but I think this is the first year where you could see an actually maybe average offensive line at Florida State, which you haven't been able to say in a while. We we discuss the transfer portal so much with Florida State, and them being able to to jump in there, grab some guys that are really effective, very efficient, good playmakers. Jermaine Johnson is about to be a, a very high draft pick, maybe a top 10. How will that? How will Florida State be able to leverage that even more so and say, hey, look, you, you can come from somewhere where you're not getting playing time in a place like Georgia, come to Florida State, be an all-defensive you know defensive player, win the Player of the Year Conference Award, and then be a top 10 pick. How do you expect them to leverage that out to guys and saying, hey, come here and play, we'll change your life? I mean, they, they already have in terms of they were very smart about when they got Jared Verse on campus early in his recruitment. They, they were one of the most proactive about that. And they had him talk to Jermaine Johnson, to Keir Thomas, those two transfers who, who both were all ACC type players coming as one year transfers to FSU. And they both talked to him. I mean, Jared talked about how talking to especially Jermaine and Jermaine was pretty candid about like, this is what I liked about being here. This is what I didn't like as much. And that that level of being how candid he was was huge for helping him eventually choose FSU over Tennessee and over, I mean, some of the best schools in the country. He was an FCS transfer, but, but I mean, 
LSU wanted him. I think USC wanted him. Oklahoma wanted him. Miami wanted him. He was the kind of the, some of the cream of the transfer portal crop. And Florida State got him in large part because of how they uh, how they leverage what they just did with with Jermaine Johnson. And I think I mean it's obviously different if you're if you're talking to a wide receiver, if you're talking to a running back like they brought in in Trey Benson, if you're talking to an offensive lineman. But I think Jermaine Johnson can be the proof of that, even if he doesn't play your position. Of like, look look what he just did. Look what he you can potentially do, maybe in a different way if you play a different position, for sure. Kurt, one more question. Uh, you just mentioned LSU and it hit a nerve. It really is an intriguing opener. I mean, between what Brian Kelly's trying to do and getting LSU back, they've been about as mediocre as the day is long the last two years after winning the Natty. We know about Florida State going through the trials and tribulations. Uh, kind of a fascinating opener, though, isn't it? Florida State, LSU is on September the 4th. Again, I'm no disrespect to Duquesne, but I got LSU on the brink. I was going to say, they do have to do Duquesne first. I think it's an advantage that uh, it is not Florida State's first game, but it is LSU's first. That'll be the right. first of the uh, Brian Kelly era. Obviously, it's a neutral site game in New Orleans, but let's be real, it may as well be a road <laughs> game. I think. Right. I, I mean, it's a, it's a tough challenge in that regard, and no doubt that team, even though there's been a lot of roster turnover, as there always is in those coaching changes, that team's exceptionally talented. It, it feels like an important game. I mean, I think when you look at those first three, and last year Florida State started 0-4, it was, I mean, it nearly became a historic team to make a bowl after starting 0-4. But I think you look at those first three, you look at Duquesne, you look at LSU, and then at Louisville after the bye week on a Friday night. It, the the fast start feels essential for Florida State if they're going to get where they want. I think it doesn't have to be 3-0, and but at minimum 2-1. and I mean, that Louisville game is no joke either. If they can at least win one of those. I mean, uh, the expectation isn't beating the LSUs of the world yet if you win that it's a bonus and there are some things working in your favor with the new coaching staff with that being their first game all that 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 could help you do so but you've I think if you're Florida State the goal is you start beating the Louisville's of the world you start beating the Wake Forests of the world what you used to do all the time you got to start doing that again and if you beat an LSU that's a bonus Kurt always a pleasure man we look forward to seeing you soon appreciate it guys you got it big game man no Huge. disrespect to the Dukes, Kane boys. I mean, yeah. come on now. Florida State's going to beat the game. <laughs> right. But that LSU game is really intriguing. Huge. And then that's that. That's the type of game I'm talking about. Right. You go out of conference. The narrative. That's where the narrative is created. September 5th, right there in New Orleans. So what do you want to do? What do we want to be as a league? That's exactly right. When you start talking about Miami, A&M, Florida State, yep. LSU, and those are the kind of games that, guess what? Yep. How do you change the narrative? Yep. Those are games you have to win. Yep. And given them the LSU struggles and what Florida State's been through, I mean, something's got to give, yep. right? No question. Be Florida fun. State plays pretty good in openers. I mean, we saw that Notre Dame game last year where, I mean, golly, looked like a totally different team, fell off for four straight games, and then figured it out. Yeah, but uh, Mike Norvell, again, I, I just liked what Florida State did in the second half of the season. Yes. I and mean, they could have been easy to just say, hey, this thing's going nowhere fast, catch you later. They fought, and they played well in the second half. It, it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Pat. All right, quick break. We come back. We got hour three. That'd be the power hour. We got more teams to talk about. And, oh, yeah, this thing called the NFL Draft. Hey. What's it going to look like from an ACC perspective? We'll discuss that when we return. It's Packer and Durham right here on ACC Network. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.